0: Q and Review, celebrating 40 years of audio production, welcomes you to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, recorded from our studio in the Bishop Bragg's Media Centre and by our volunteers working from home. Keep up to date with Q and Review news via our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at Cue and Review that's at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W or get in touch with us directly by emailing information at That's I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M Or by calling 0141 772 3976 Please like and share our podcast and give us constructive feedback.
1: Evening Times Sport September 5 Charlie McGrew announces retirement from football Report by Aidan MacDonald Charlie McGrew has announced his retirement from football after an 18-year playing career following his recent departure from Dundee United. The 37-year-old confirmed the news via a social media post stating he would be hanging up his boots. Mulgrew was capped 44 times for Scotland and had spells at Celtic, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Southend, Aberdeen, Blackburn Rovers, Wigan and Fleetwood Town. During a six-year period at Parkhead, He won five consecutive Scottish Premiership titles and two Scottish Cups. He wrote on Instagram, It's not an easy decision as playing football is all I've known. Firstly, I'd like to thank my family and friends for all your support, belief, loyalty and love you have given me over the last 21 years. You all had to make sacrifices along with me to follow my dream. Thank you to all eight clubs I played for, the national team I played 44 times for. I'm grateful for all that I've learned and the life I've been able to create because of them. My memories are priceless. I've played with and against some great players, some of whom I'm lucky to call friends. I have been part of some great changing rooms, which has made me realise it is essential for success. Football is nothing without fans, and I am grateful for the experiences and support you gave me through the highs and the lows. I am excited for what tomorrow brings to new beginnings. Report by Aidan MacDonald Evening Times Sport, September 5 Key England pair, rolled out for Scotland showdown. Report by Aidan Smith Manchester City midfielder Jack Grealish and Liverpool's Trent Alexander-Arnold have been ruled out of England's upcoming fixtures against Ukraine and Scotland. The Football Association confirmed both players had reported to England's St George's Park base on Monday. However, they were then withdrawn from the squad, following checks on injuries sustained prior to arriving at the camp. No further call-ups are expected, with Newcastle defender Kieran Trippier scheduled to arrive on Wednesday, owing to a personal commitment. England faced Ukraine on Saturday before taking on Scotland in Glasgow in a friendly on September 12. Meanwhile, Xander Clark's attitude to Scotland camps typifies the spirit in Steve Clark's squad as they prepare for a game that could put them on the verge of Euro 2024 qualification. The Hearts goalkeeper is yet to win a cap, and is set to act as backup, along with Motherwell captain Liam Kelly, when Scotland faced Cyprus in Larnaca on Friday night. Angus Gunn went straight into the squad and the team, after Clark's Hearts teammate, Craig Gordon, suffered a leg break on Boxing Day last year. The Norwich goalkeeper has started with three clean sheets in four matches in a perfect start to Scotland's qualifying group. Clark said, It's a great group of boys. The whole country is buzzing for Scotland games to come around and there is that feel-good factor. It's like being away with your mates. It's a tight-knit group and everyone gets along well, and there's real quality in the ranks which can only be positive for us as a nation going forward. Clark and Kelly might be eyeing a chance for a debut in next Tuesday's 150th anniversary game against England, but the former St. Johnson keeper is focused on training and being a good teammate first and foremost, said the 31-year-old, I just enjoy going into the camps. If the manager decides to play you, then it's good. Gunny has come in and done brilliantly with the clean sheets. As a goalkeeper, you know there is always going to be one playing and two left out, and then you become that support group. Me and Kells want Gunny to do well, because when we do well as a goalkeeping group and do not concede, Then you have a chance of winning the game. I enjoy that side of it, going away and meeting the boys and getting back into it. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times a Sport September 5 Morellis Penn's emotional final farewell to Rangers Report by Aidan Smith Alfredo Morelos has penned an emotional farewell to Rangers after signing for Brazilian outfit Santos. The Colombian international had been without a club since leaving Ibrox when his contract expired at the end of last season. The 27-year-old scored 124 goals in six seasons with Rangers, including a club record 29 in European competition. Morelos has now signed a two-year contract with Santos, the club where Pele spent the vast majority of his playing career. Santos sit 17th in Brazil's Serie A table after 22 games. And after putting pen to paper, Morelos reflected on his time in Glasgow. He wrote on social media, Rangers, my dear soulful team, I want to say the time has come to close an unforgettable chapter in my life. Over the past six years, I have experienced intense emotions and achieved incredible goals and built incredible memories with you. We won a league together, celebrated every victory as a family and overcame obstacles with determination and courage. Every time I wore this jersey, I did it with pride. And gratitude. During this time, I not only grew as a player, but also as a person. Watching my daughter grow while wearing these colours has been an incredible gift. The unity and support from all of you, every step of the way, has inspired me to give my best on and off the field. Reach a Urupo League final was a dream come true. The journey was tough, but every sacrifice was worth it. Together we showed that we are a formidable club and we will always fight with heart. To the teammates who became brothers, thank you for every shared moment. To the coaches and the coaching staff, your guidance and trust led me to achieve my best version. To the management employees and all the fans, Your unwavering support gave us strength to go far. Today, I close this chapter with gratitude in my heart and the certainty that I will always carry these colours with me wherever I go. This is not a final farewell, but I see you later, filled with hope. See you in the future, Rangers. I will always be ready to be there for my friends in royal blue. Report by Eden Smith Evening Times Sport September 5 Scottish football buses What changes are being proposed? Report by Gabriel Mackay Scottish football fans are up in arms over a controversial proposal to change rules on buses to away games. A public consultation has been launched over a series of new guidelines which would govern travel, sparking immediate condemnation from supporters groups. Here's what you need to know. What is the consultation? It goes under the straightforward, if not exactly catchy, guidelines for taking passengers to sporting events in Scotland. It's being put forward by Richard Turfitt, the Senior Traffic Commissioner for Great Britain on the UK government, and it would see the rules around Public Service Vehicles, PSVs, that's Supporters' Buses to you and I, brought in line with voluntary rules in England and Wales. What is being proposed? In England and Wales, those operating Supporters' Buses have adhered to a voluntary code of practice in which they meet certain guidelines set by the police. In practice, these are a series of restrictions put on football fans who are travelling to away matches or travelling from elsewhere for home matches. The guidelines are not in place north of the border, and if the proposal is adopted, there will be some serious changes for Scottish football fans travelling to away games. Under the proposed rules, anyone running a bus would have to inform a dedicated football officer or DFO 48 hours before the match of the number of supporters expected to travel, the number of vehicles booked, the name and the contact number for the person who made the booking. Buses would not be allowed to stop within 10 miles of the stadium before or after the match without permission. Buses would be banned from stopping at pubs unless alcohol is sold ancillary to a substantial meal and permission would have to be sought from the DFO. Buses would have to arrive at the stadium no earlier than two hours before and not later than one hour before the scheduled start of the game. Permission would have to be sought from police to pick up passengers at stops on the route. Buses would be required to leave the stadium within 30 minutes of the end of the match. Those running the bus would be required to inform the DFO of any chanting, demonstrating hostility based on race, ethnicity, religion or beliefs, sexual orientation, disability and transgender identity or chanting of an otherwise grossly offensive or inflammatory nature, which happened on the journey. Voluntary searches could be in place for things like alcohol and pyrotechnics. I'm not a football fan. Explain to me how this would change things. Let's say you're a Kilmarnock fan and you're travelling on a supporters bus to Aberdeen. You might arrange to stop in Stonehaven on the way for a couple of pints to watch the early kick-off in the Scottish Premiership or English Premier League. Under the proposals, this would only be allowed with prior permission and if alcohol is sold with a substantial meal. Alternatively, you might visit a pub in the city centre en route to Petaudry Stadium. This would not be allowed unless permission was granted. The stuff about not having pyrotechnics or alcohol seems fair enough. The criminal law Consolidation Scotland Act 1995 already prohibits alcohol and the fireworks and pyrotechnics article Scotland Act 2022 does the same for pyro. The proposal mentions sporting events. Does it include other sports? No, only football. Only events covered under the sports grounds and sporting events designation Scotland Order 2014-15 would be included. And only football has been included in this. What has been the reaction from football fans? By and large, they are not happy. Many would say they are already unfairly demonised. You can consume alcohol on the way to a rugby match or a concert, and unlike in England and Wales, they are banned from consuming alcohol inside a stadium. The move has also been criticised by the SNP's Westminster leader Stephen Flynn, who called it unworkable, unmanageable, unenforceable. What are they consulting on? whether the guidelines are a. proportionate and appropriate to introduce for games within Scotland and b. require amendment to reflect a particular position or issue in Scotland. How can I make my views known? You can email to consultations at otc.gov.uk or write to Mark Richardson, Policy and Business Support Officer, Traffic Commissioner, Corporate Office, Hillcrest House, 386, Hare Hills Lane, Leeds, LS9, 6NF. Evening Times Sport, September 6. Former Hearts boss Robbie Nielsen, back coaching for special cause. Report by Aidan Smith. Some of Scotland's most vulnerable young people have formed a football team and former Hearts manager Robbie Nielsen has stepped in to help coach. CMAB Care and Education in Kinross provides care and education for children and young people from across Scotland who have complex needs and require specialised support. This year, pupils at the school which is situated in an old residential property, formed a football team for the first time and recently competed in the Who Cares Tournament in Glasgow. The Kinrossshire Charity is currently in the process of raising £5.5 million to build a new school with plans for a gym hall, to enable indoor football for the Scottish winters. The project, which is backed by some of Scotland's leading property companies, including the Chris Stewart Group, needs another £1 million to see the new school become a reality. The power of sport has played a key part in instilling confidence within the pupils. Scottish rugby legend Chris Paterson who is CMAB's official ambassador and Olympic basketball star, Kieran Achara, have led coaching sessions in recent months. Robbie Nielsen is the latest to volunteer their time, much to the delight of the pupils. The former Scotland international said, I am incredibly excited to see where the young people are able to go with their football team. Sport has the potential to empower people by building confidence and community. They have taken it upon themselves to start a football team. And soon, hopefully, they will have their own indoor football pitch to hone their skills. I'll definitely be back. And I'm really proud that I was able to help these amazing young people, some of whom have faced unimaginable hardships. CMAB's chairman, Chris Stewart, said, there are very few young people who do not have access to a gym hall. It is hard to develop sporting skills during Scottish winters without access to one. That is one of many reasons that CMAB's current school is not fit for purpose. Through our fundraising drive, we will be able to create a new gym hall which children can enjoy all year round as part of a revamped school. We are so close to making this project a reality and call on Scottish businesses and government to help us get this over the line. We really appreciate the support of people like Robbie who take the time to support these children in pursuing their passions. CMAB is a charity that provides care and education for children and young people from across Scotland who have more complex needs and require specialised support. To donate to support the new school and to contribute towards the provision of regular activities, visit www.seamab.org.uk forward slash donate. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport. September 6. Glasgow Warriors to raise funds for hospital charity. Report by Stuart Bathgate. Glasgow Warriors will again raise funds for the Glasgow Children's Hospital Charity this season with the aim of reaching at least £25,000. The campaign has been named Fighting For Our Families. And like last year, the focal point will be a Plaster It Purple match in which supporters are asked to wear purple clothes while the players will sport purple laces. This season's game will be the Scottsdale fixture against the Sharks on Friday, April 19. The difference this year, however, is that there will be more fundraising activities throughout the URC season, starting on October 1, when Warrior staff will take part in the Great Scottish Run Half Marathon and 10K. Last season, the club raised £21,000 over the course of Plaster at Purple week, so the aim this time round is to surpass that figure. The Warriors' managing director, Al Kellogg, explained the aim of the campaign. 2022-23 was the first year that we set a target that we wanted to raise as part of our fundraising around Plaster It Purple, he said. We were delighted by the response to that from the buy-in from supporters, colleagues and partners and raising the £21,000. Since then, the off-field team here at the club have been determined to step up our fundraising efforts and various ideas and concepts are starting to come to life and have been considered for later in the season. This is our culture in action, players, staff, partners, working together for the good of our community to improve the lives of people in our city. Over £25,000 is our target, but the more we can raise for the Children's Hospital, the better. So we are inviting the Warrior Nation to join us on this journey throughout the season. Report by Stuart Bathgate Evening Times Sport September sixth. Robert McIntyre puts Shinty on back burner for Ryder Cup. Report by Nick Roger The gasp of relief that Robert McIntyre let out when he held on to the final qualifying place for Europe's Ryder Cup team the other day was considerable. It was nothing, however, compared to the one his manager Ian Stoddart gave when his star client informed him that he was giving up Shinty as the race to make Luke Donald's side intensified. Stoddard's puffing exhalation just about registered on the Beaufort scale. Thwacking away with the Cayman has always been McIntyre's preferred choice of escapism from the cut and thrust of professional golf, and the 27-year-old would regularly turn out for Oban Celtic in between his forays on the DP World Tour. The crash bang wallop of Shinty, of course, can easily lead to a few painful clatters in the um, Kamenachs. And as for his hands, those precious tools of his golfing trade, well, they are just about as valuable as Richard Cleiderman's digits. You can understand Stoddard's delight then, when McIntyre informed him that the Shinty stick would be staying in the cupboard. It was Bob McIntyre's instructions, said a smiling McIntyre of his own judgment call. I was driving home from the open and speaking to people in the car and we decided that if I played shinty, got injured, got in the team and was unable to play, I'd never live it down. I'd regret it for the rest of my life. So I've not touched a stick. There's too much to lose. This is the best thing that's happened in my career. It's a risk. That's not worth taking. McIntyre's place in Europe's 12-man side was confirmed at the end of the Omega European Masters on Sunday. So far, life at Scotland's newest rider Cupper has all been very down to earth. He says, I spent some time with my mum, who was looking after my wee niece. I then picked up my other niece from nursery. Nothing's changed. I'm going to play golf with some of the boys too. My life ain't changing. The Ryder Cup is certainly career changing though. A decade ago, he was starting off in team golf as an under-18 amateur with Scotland and GB and Ireland. Here, in 2023, the Oban lefty will play in golf's ultimate team tussle in Rome. Reflected McIntyre. When you are building up your career, you think the pressure of those weeks in the amateur game is the biggest thing ever. But when you have a good professional career, you'll look back and wonder why you worried about, say, losing the amateur championship final. There's so much more to it, a career, than that. At the time, though, you think your career is over almost. I have stepped up all the way through my amateur career and professional golf, has just been a gradual climb. The Ryder Cup is the next thing for me. McIntyre is already a winner at this month's Ryder Cup venue, having won the Italian Open at the Marco Simone course last year to launch his qualifying push. The fevered Colosseum of the Ryder Cup will be a different kettle of fish. I've spoken to a few people who said it took them over a minute to actually get the ball to sit on a tee, chuckled McIntyre, of the knee-knocking, hand shoogling tension of the contest. I'm quite a cool character, but I'm sure it'll take me a wee minute to get the ball to sit on the tee nicely. I can't wait to experience it, and hopefully it is the first of many. It's just cool to be part of it. It's what I have dreamed of as a kid. I just hope it's everything I have dreamed of. I'm sure it will be, and more. As the player in the last automatic qualifying place, McIntyre was a hunted man last weekend, as those behind him on the points tried to pounce. He must have felt as uncomfortable as a gazelle that's just discovered it has been surrounded by a pride of lions. And he said, it was pretty much out with my control by the end of the week, as I didn't play well. I was banging my head off the wall in the hotel room. I was just happy to get over the line. Those around him, meanwhile, are happy that the shinty stick has been ditched for the time being at least, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport September 6. Rangers pair will put Celtic defeat behind them. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Scotland assistant John Carver has backed Rangers pair Ryan Jack and John Souter to put the disappointment of a painful old firm defeat to Celtic firmly behind them and be ready to face Cyprus on Friday night. Midfielder Jack and centre-half Suta were helpless to prevent Michael Beale's side from losing the first Glasgow Derby of the season, 1-0, to Brendan Rodgers' team at Ibrox on Sunday. There was a furious reaction from the home supporters to a singed Premiership loss, which left the Govan outfit in fourth place in the top-flight table, four points behind their city rivals. However, Carver, who attended the league encounter, has no concerns about the reverse affecting the pair ahead of the important Euro 2024 qualifier in Larnaca on Friday night. He said, It doesn't matter when they come here. It's amazing how they react. Once they walk through the door, all the troubles are put behind them. Sometimes it's like a breath of fresh air for them. They have had a disappointing result and they're coming into this environment with what we've got to move forward with. That's why they love coming here. It's the same with the lads who maybe thought they'd get moves but didn't. They don't even talk about it. They come in and are really focused on what we are trying to do. I was there and it was tough but you have to put that disappointment behind you. I look at Jackal and he is such a good professional. Yes, he'll be hurting and is disappointed, but he realised he has another job to do. When he walks through the door of the national team, he has to refocus and be right on it. He has to be that way to get in the team and take us to the Euros. Carver confirmed that he and Scotland manager Steve Clark regularly speak to players who they sense may need to have their spirits lifted. And he continued, Steve is good at putting his arm around players when the time is right. People don't see that side of it. I do it as well, more than Steve, because I am the link. The manager sometimes has to make the tough decisions. I don't have to do that. I can help him make them, but in general, it is me who will have a quiet chat. And if there's some issue, I know about. Meanwhile, Carver has expressed his happiness that Scotland centre-half Kiern Tierney, who completed a season-long loan move from Arsenal to Rio Sociedad in Spain last month, played for nearly 70 minutes in a La Liga match against Granada on Saturday and helped his new club to record a 5-3 win. And he said, it is important that he's playing and he has settled in quite well. He's already throwing a few Spanish words in. You can see in people's eyes when they are happy. He has gone out there with the chance to play in a really good standard of football and it's important that he's playing Because he's a top player. Report by Matthew Lindsay Evening Times Sport September 7 Martin O'Neill fires Celtic upper hand verdict. Report by Aidan Smith Martin O'Neill is confident Celtic can now go on and secure the Scottish Premiership title after last weekend's big win over Rangers. Brendan Rodgers secured the Derby Day victory at Ibrox to ensure his side are four points clear of their rivals heading into the international break. O'Neill was delighted with the result and performance by his former side, and he now believes the victory has given Celtic a platform to go on and improve. Speaking to Ladbroke's fan zone, O'Neill said that was a big result for Celtic at the weekend, a good result for Brendan in particular. When you look at the circumstances in which he left the football club, not every Celtic fan was best pleased with the reappointment of him. But matches like that can work absolute wonders for a manager trying to cement his place back in the hearts of the fans. But that win against Rangers is huge in the title race, even this early in the season. As for Rangers, what a bad couple of days for them. Getting knocked out of Champions League qualifying, in terms of prestige, is bad enough. But also the finance side of things, it's a huge blow to them. Celtic have the upper hand over them in that respect, and they are four points clear of them in the league, Celtic should be able to go on and win that title now, you would expect. O'Neill was also excited by Celtic's Champions League draw. The hoops were drawn against Atletico Madrid, Lazio and Feyenoord, and he believes his former side will have a fighting chance to qualify out of the group. He added, The draw for the Champions League has been made, and while you're never going to get it easy, things could have been made much more difficult for him. They're going to give themselves a great chance of making the knockout stage, and that would be huge, because Celtic thrive on those European nights. Things have not been so good in recent years in terms of results in Europe, so it would be great if they could rectify that this season. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport September 7, highly rated Celtic Youth Prospect Agrees New Deal, report by Aidan MacDonald. Celtic Youth Prospect Mitchell Frame is set to pen a new deal at Parkhead. That is according to transfer guru Fabrizio Romano, who claims the hoops are close to tying the left back down to a contract extension. The 17-year-old is yet to make an appearance for the first team, but is reportedly highly thought of by the club. Romano tweeted, Celtic agree new terms with top talent Mitchell Frame, 2006 born full-back. Frame already had deal to summer 2025, but now agreed new contract to summer 2026. Several clubs in England were targeting frame, set to put pen on paper soon with Celtic. The youngster made 10 appearances for Celtic B last season, scoring once and providing an assist. Meanwhile, Celtic are set to offer midfielder Matt O'Reilly improved terms and an extension on his contract. This is according to Sky Sports who claim the Scottish champions want to add the Dane to a list of players who have signed new deals already this season. Kyogo, Dayson Maida and Lille Abada have all penned contract extensions over the last two months and O'Reilly could be next. The 23-year-old has scored two goals and provided two assists during the first five games of the season. He won Celtic's Young Player of the Year award last year after providing the most assists in 2021. His current deal runs until 2026. Report by Aidan Macdonald. Evening Times Sport September 7 McIlroy vows to take sensible approach to pre-Ryder Cup stag do. Rory McElroy has pledged to take a sensible approach to a friend's stag do just days before the start of the Ryder Cup. And the World number 2 has also assured Captain Luke Donald that he is close to full fitness after the back injury which almost forced him to withdraw from the Tour Championship in Atlanta. McElroy had previously joked that he would need a few days to dry out from his trip to Mykonos before travelling to Rome, where Europe will attempt to regain the Ryder Cup following their record 19 defeat at Whistling Straits. I'm sensible when I need to be, McElroy said with a smile in his pre-tournament press conference ahead of the Horizon Irish Open. 48 hours, nice little trip, and probably needed as well. I go from here to practice in Rome next week to Wentworth. I get back into London on Wednesday evening and then four good days in London to practice and get myself ready to go to Rome on the Monday. Donald also laughed off any concerns, adding, It's not like Rory is 22 or 21. He understands. There's nothing wrong in going out and having some fun with your friends but I think he's got wise enough shoulders to know that he won't go crazy, so no concerns there. McElroy hit just 20 balls before his first round of the Tour Championship after suffering a muscle spasm two days earlier, which left him unable to move. The 34-year-old struggled to an opening round of 70 at East Lake but the injury gradually improved throughout the week and he closed with a 65 to finish in a tie for 11th. Said McElroy, I would say it's at 90%, 95%. I just have to take care of it a little bit, but it's not preventing me from doing anything I want to do. Just being a little mindful, I guess. I've had much worse. I had much worse back issues when I was 21. This is a bit of tightness, a bit of a muscle spasm. I've had a herniated disc, and I've had stuff that would be a lot more worrying than this. It's fine. It's totally fine. McElroy produced a sensational finish to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, the last time the K-Club staged the Irish Open in 2016 having seen a three-shot lead turn into a one-shot deficit in the final round. A stunning approach from 270 yards set up a two-putt birdie on the par 5 16th, and McElroy produced an even better shot in the last, his five-wood from 252 yards, finishing within three feet of the hole for a tap-in eagle. McElroy recalled, The two shots I hit on 16, then the two on 18. That's the way you want to try to close out a golf tournament. It was amazing. They had set up a sort of bar on the right side of 16. And when my ball hit the green, I just remember the roar from over there was pretty cool. It was a great finish. And for as long as I can remember, the only tournament my mum ever wanted to see me win was the Irish Open. So for her to be there and for me to win it, it means a lot to her, obviously, and a lot to us as a family. McElroy has a lead of more than 2,000 points over John Ram at the top of the race to Dubai, but will take six weeks off between the Ryder Cup and the season finale in Dubai. Strong performances in Ireland and next week's BMW PGA Championship would therefore go a long way to securing a fifth money list title, three behind the record of Colin Montgomery. And Roy said, I've got a nice little cushion at the minute, but these two weeks are important. I want to play well for a number of reasons. I want to feel I'm confident and in good form going into the Ryder Cup. But yes, I think it would be a pretty cool achievement to win the race to Dubai for a fifth time and start creeping up on Monte. Evening Time Sport, September 7. Darcy Graham in selection mix for Scotland against South Africa. Report by David Barnes. Darcy Graham has recovered from the quad injury that kept him out of Scotland's final World Cup warm-up match and will be in the selection mix for Sunday's tournament opener against South Africa in Marseille. Assistant coach John DL confirmed, Wednesday was his second day training. He is fully fit and ready to go if selected. Wednesday tends to be our more physical training day The end of the week tends to be more the speed element and contact. Wednesday was a big day in terms of units. The coach also provided an update on flanker Luke Crosby, who has been nursing a rib cartilage injury since the Tuesday before the Georgia match. He has trained, but not fully with the squad. Could he be available? Possibly, he said. Speaking before South Africa named their team for Sunday's match, bringing the announcement forward by a day and a half, Diel stressed that he, his fellow coaches and the players will not spend long agonising over the opposition's selection or worrying about the impact of a 6-2 split on the bench, which will allow the world champions to supercharge their pack during the final half hour using their famous bomb squad strategy. He reasoned, not at all, because in the last three performances for us, our bench have had a huge impact. We chose to go 6-2 in the French game, and it worked really well for us in terms of the squad. It's tough. You're changing almost the whole pack. But when they came on and perform at that level with that energy, It is great. Whichever way we go with our bench, we know we're going to get great impact. It's going to be tough enough picking that starting 15 after the preparation we've had. We're really splitting hairs on a few positions. The guys coming off the bench are the ones who are actually going to win the game. Taking on South Africa in our opening match is very challenging, very daunting but it is something we've had in our mind for a long time and we have been building towards that. We believe we have moved away from being a Scotland team who goes to tournaments with hope to having genuine belief. We have prepared accordingly and we're now ready to go. While DL was bullish about his team's chances, He was quick to highlight that Scotland do recognise and respect the calibre of opposition they face this weekend. And he explained, They sometimes get tagged as just bully boys with a big pack, but they are very inventive in what they do. They've got loads of innovation. They have always been a team, I've admitted, certainly from a set-piece point of view, and how they can dominate in that area of the game. So it is exciting as a coach to go up against that with the team we have. The players watch a lot of rugby, and a lot of our players play against South African teams in the URC, so they know the level you have to get to in order to compete in games like this from a set-piece perspective. It is going to be about physicality and a lot of the mentality that goes into that. We have got to meet them on the game line defensively. And we have also got to impose our attacking game on them. We have got to be able to bring the speed we want to play at. The speed we have become famous for into this match. Tactically, it's one against the other. They're going to slow us down and kill us on the floor. And we're going to look to keep the pace high. And whoever comes out on the best side of that is going to go a long way to winning the game at the weekend. It is just about being able to spin all the plates at once in a total team performance. And I think this is what it is going to take in the pool we're in. Four consistent high-level performances. Report by David Barnes Evening Times Sport, September 7. Where have Scotland's top-class centre forwards gone? asked Matthew Lindsay. There have been much that Steve Clark has needed to mull over this week, as Scotland have prepared for their hugely important Euro 2024 qualifier against Cyprus in Larnaca. Clark has had to assess both the form and fitness of his players as they have trained at Lesser Hamden, ahead of the Group A encounter in the AEK Arena. He will now have to decide which starting line-up to select, formation to put his faith in, and tactics to deploy in a difficult away match against rivals who are smarting after three straight defeats and desperate to record their first win. However, Clark, whose men are in top spot in their section at the halfway stage, and a result or two away from cementing a place in the finals in Germany next summer, will not have spent much time worrying about where Scotland's goals are going to come from in recent days. He has in Che Adams, Ryan Christie, Lyndon Dykes, John McGinn, Callum McGregor and Scott McTominay footballers who have proved they can score in big games at international level. Manchester United midfield McTominay is, with five goals in four outings, the joint second top goal scorer in Euro 2024 qualifying alongside Harry Kane of England, Cristiano Ronaldo of Portugal and Ziki Amduni of Switzerland. Only Romelu Lukaku of Belgium and Rasmus Hochland of Denmark have been on target more in this campaign than the man who endeared himself to Tartan army foot soldiers forever with his double in the 2 nothing triumph over Spain at Hampden back in March, Clark has named five forwards in his 25 man squad for the double header against Cyprus and England, who will provide the opposition in the 150th anniversary heritage match in Glasgow on Tuesday, and every one of them has been exhibiting encouraging form for their clubs. This term. Adams has been on target three times in four championship appearances for Southampton. Lawrence Shankland has found the net for hearts on five occasions in all competitions, while Kevin Nisbet has bagged two in his last two run outs for Millwall. Jacob Brown, who moved from Stoke City to Premier League New Boys Luton Town last month, and has since come on in their meetings with Brighton, Chelsea and West Ham, has not been selected for these games, such is the abundance of options available to the manager up front just now. All of which would seem to suggest that Scotland is in rude good health when it comes to strikers. Appearances, though, can be deceptive. The story closer to home makes for concerned reading. The statistics underline that when it comes to producing centre-forwards, this country has a serious problem which needs to be both acknowledged and addressed. Since the 2023-24 Singe Premiership kicked off last month, there have been 24 games played and no fewer than 58 goals scored. However, just four of them have been netted by attackers who originally hail from these shores and who came through the youth system here. Jordan White for Ross County against Celtic at Parkhead, Shanklin for Hearts against St. Johnston at McDermott Park, Bruce Anderson for Livingston against Hibbs at Easter Road, and Simon Murray for Ross County against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. Are the only Scottish strikers to find a target in the past five weeks. The paucity of homegrown talent in the final third is both alarming and perplexing in a country which has lauded Laurie Riley, Dennis Law, Ian St John, Alan Gilzean, Kenny douglish Joe Harper, Joe Jordan, Andy Gray, Steve Archibald. Moe Johnson, Charlie Nicholas, Ali McCoist, Gordon Dury, Kevin Gallagher, Billy Dodds, Kenny Miller, James McFadden, Chris Boyd, Stephen Fletcher, Stephen Naismith, and Lee Griffiths over the years. Adams and Dykes are firm favourites of the Scotland support, but the former was born and brought up in Leicester and only qualifies to play for the national team due to a grandmother who hails from Edinburgh. The latter, Dykes, comes from Australia and considered playing for the Socceroos before pledging his allegiances to the land of his parents' birth. Andy Robertson has won the Premier League and Champions League with Liverpool and plays in that division with his compatriots Elliot Anderson of Newcastle United, Christie of Bournemouth, Billy Gilmer of Brighton, Aaron Hickey of Brentford, McGinn of Aston Villa, Scott McKenna of Nottingham Forest, McTominay and Nathan Patterson of Everton. But Brown of Luton and Oliver McBurney of Sheffield United are the only Scots who lead the line in that division. During his four tenure as Scotland manager, Gordon Strachan repeatedly bemoaned the absence of a Gareth Bale, a Harry Kane, a Cristiano Ronaldo, a Robert Lewandowski. He felt that a global superstar was needed to elevate his team to another level. We have some genuinely world-class footballers now. But we are still waiting for that icon to emerge. Strachan's successor, Alex MacLeish, shared that frustration during his second spell in charge of his country. He said, It's been a problem for a while. We have really struggled with strikers. It would have been great to have another Koisti or Mojo, one of those great legends of the past who score goals regularly. It's a problem I sadly don't know the formula for. So what is the reason? Is it due to the influx of foreign players in recent years? Is it because the 442 formation has fallen out of fashion in the modern era? Is it down to coaching at grassroots level? Is there simply no longer any need for an old fashioned number nine in the game today? We have spoken to former players managers, administrators, and specialist forward coaches to get their thoughts on why we are failing to rear the number of predators that we did in the past and hear their views about what can be done to buck a disturbing trend. And will be running interviews with them throughout the international break. Scotland should hopefully have enough firepower to overcome Cyprus and then reach the Euro 2024 finals in Germany next summer. But more strikers are urgently required to safeguard the long-term future of both the national team and the national game. Tomorrow, we will be talking to Malky Mackay and the SFA about tackling Scotland's striker shortage says Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport September 8th Ferguson pinpoints Rangers momentum opportunity report by Stuart Wilson. Rangers hero Barry Ferguson feels the Irish side can kick on after the international break due to their fixture schedule. The former Light Blues captain has backed Michael Beale to turn things around in Govan after a tough start to the season. Back-to-back defeats to PSV Eindhoven and Celtic have piled the pressure on the Englishman, but Ferguson feels there is still plenty to play for. Writing in his daily record column, he said, Michael Beale and his players have been battered from pillar to post since Sunday afternoon, and that comes with the territory when you let the Rangers' support down. I know, I've been there, and it is a horrible feeling. I was over in Eindhoven, and although PSV were a level above, the manner in which Rangers lost disappointed their fans. Then you bounce straight into Sunday's game, and while I was not overconfident, I thought Rangers would get a result against Celtic and it didn't happen. You cannot change the past but you can affect the future and that's the message those Rangers players should be hearing over the coming days. There's a lot of noise just now and the only way to quieten it is to do the business on the pitch. This starts with travelling up to Perth at 20.30pm next Saturday. I know a lot of people want the manager out, and I understand the anger. But I do think it's far too early for Michael Beale to lose his job. The international break gives everybody, inside and outside the building, the chance to calm down. But the players have got to come back ready to bust a gut, because the only way to kill the noise is to win games. I have looked at the fixture list and after the St. Johnson game, Rangers have five of their next six domestic games including the Viaplay Cup quarter final with Livingston at Ibrox. They have got Motherwell, Aberdeen, the Cup game with Livy, Hearts and Hibbs in that sequence with the only away game in Paisley. So that is an opportunity to get back onto an even keel and build some serious momentum. Report by Stuart Wilson. Evening Times Sport September 8 Celtics Yang praised after South Korea debut. Report by Mark Walker. Jurgen Klinsmann believes Celtic star Yang Hun Yun has a big future at international level after handing him his debut for South Korea. The Asian nation failed to win for the fifth game in a row under Klinsmann after a goalless draw in Wales this week in a friendly match. Hoops ace Yang was sent on as a late sub and won his first cap for his country at the age of 21. And the former Germany and USA boss has backed Yang who signed for Celtic this summer in a £2.1 million deal from Gang Wan to be a big part of his plans in the future. Said Klinsmann, Yang has been playing well for Celtic and he came on here and was good. I think it will be very important to see how much he grows and develops, both at club and at country level. A lot of young players have joined, and these players need to prove themselves with their performances. It is exciting to see the national team grow and develop with the addition of new players like Yang. Report by Mark Walker Evening Times Sport September 8 Jose kitongo can't wait for Scottish Masters Cup 2023 Report by James Kearney Jose Cotongo has always prided himself on being one of Scottish football's great entertainers and the heart's cult hero is looking forward to putting on a show this weekend as Masters football returns to Glasgow. Representatives from each half of the old firm and either side of the Edinburgh Divide will dust off their boots tomorrow at Braehead Arena in a mini tournament and Kitongo is eagerly anticipating the occasion. The Angolan winger, who signed for over a dozen Scottish clubs during his career, always made a point of playing with a smile on his face all those years ago, and he will be doing just that come kick-off this weekend. I just love playing in the Masters, Kitongo said. I think the last time I played at Brayhead was eight years ago, I keep myself fit, and then Gary Locke texted me about these matches and asked if I wanted to play, so I said, why not? I'm still fit, and it's going to be fun. It will be a great day with lots of families there, so I hope we can put on a good show. It will be very interesting, because Hearts versus Hibs is always going to be a tough game, like Celtic vs Rangers, but it will be a good laugh. We're now at that age where we just play the game. You know what I mean? We're going to go there, have fun and entertain the crowd. I always play with a smile on my face, and I think that's what Masters football is good at. I'm going to do my best. I'm still in good shape because I'm always at the gym or running or coaching. I'm going to do my best to help my team. I want to win, but it's going to be difficult because all the teams are very strong and everybody wants to win. Masters football tends to evoke feelings of nostalgia, as supporters get to see their old heroes in action one last time. But Katongo hopes that the football on offer will also be a throwback to a bygone era. The 48 year old is not a fan of the modern game, which he believes takes itself a little too seriously on occasion. Scottish football's landscape simply is not what it was when kitongo first pitched up at Hamilton almost three decades ago. Celtic and Rangers' spending power has seen them pull away from their domestic rivals in the intervening years and the days of another club challenging Glasgow duopoly for the title are firmly in the past. kitongo feels Scottish football as a whole has suffered as a result, but he believes there is one area where our game remains peerless, when punters tell players just exactly what they think about their performance. Football is no fun anymore, he said. I remember when I first came over, all the teams were good. Dundee United, Aberdeen, Hearts, Dundee. There were a lot of good players, but now I don't know. They get a lot of money now and some of them don't want to play football. The whole time I played because I love football, not because of money. You played to entertain the crowd and the banter. The crowd would shout, you're shit. And I loved that. That's football. People swearing and shouting is part of it. And that's good. I loved all that. Scotland is the best. The patter is just good. Some people can't take the patter. But I love it. Getting pelters is part of the game and that's great. Report by James Kearney Evening Times Sport September 8 Richard Goff recalls Scotland glory goals. Report by Graeme McGarry These days, matches with 8, 9 or 10 minutes of stoppage time or more, are commonplace. But for a certain vintage of Scott, there was once a sole reference point for any game that went beyond the usual two or three minutes of discretionary time. Richard Goff's wondrous headed goal against Cyprus. The grainy, sun-soaked images beamed back to living rooms in the late afternoon. School kids rushing through the door just in time to see his flame-red hair appear through the static, the net bulging in what seemed like the 150th minute of a gruelling encounter, Scotland improbably having one foot in the World Cup. It may have been way back in 1989 that Goff scored that famous header for his country, but along with his goal against England, in the 1985 Rouse Cup win, it is the one that people still approach him to talk about all these years on. So, with Scotland taking on Cyprus on the Sunshine Island and England at Hampden over the next few days, it seems an opportune time to not only do the same and get his recollections of those iconic moments, but to also get his insight into the challenge that lies ahead for Steve Clark and his men. First of all, in Lanarka this evening. Said Golf. these games are never straightforward. Our group for Italia 90 also had France and Yugoslavia in it, and Yugoslavia had a really good team. France drew against Cyprus over there. They drew 1-1. And we knew if we bettered that result, then we had a good chance because Yugoslavia were by far the best team. I remember it was really nice weather. The ground was really hard and bouncy. It was difficult conditions. We all had the rubber studs on. We soon figured out why they managed to draw with France. They were actually a good team as well. They had some good players. We went one nothing up, Morris Johnson scored a great goal, then they equalised, and not long into the second half, they went ahead. We knew that if we lost that game, we would not have gone to the World Cup. So luckily enough, we Morris laid one back to me, and my shot took a wicked deflection to take the goalie out, and somehow it ended up in the net. At 2-2, we were both pushing for the winner, so it got really end-to-end. We got a free kick in the 97th minute of the game. Big Roy Aiken pinged the ball across, and I scored one of the best headers that I ever scored in my career. It was a really good header. The keeper had no chance. It was really unusual for that amount of time to be added on in those days, But thankfully, it was on that occasion. It's funny, because people always come to me and talk about it. And they always mention that they got away from school early to see that game. And they saw that goal. But they forget that I actually scored the equaliser as well. I scored a few good headers in my career. But in terms of how important that was for the country, that one was massive. If we had even drawn that game, I don't think we would have made the World Cup. So it was so, so important. We went on to beat France and the rest is history. That was a great achievement given we were up against them and a great Yugoslavia team. One man who did not appear to be quite as impressed with golf's feet though, was a man whose job was quite possibly saved by it with the Scotland manager of the time being understated in his remarks to the sweltering press pack after the match finally ended. Said the golf. I always remember Andy Roxburgh after the game telling the media that Roy had put a great ball over and Goffey had just managed to get on the end of it. I thought, there was a bit more to it than that, Andy. They were a good team with a lot of players playing for the big Greek clubs back then. We had myself, Dave Neri and Alex McLeish at the back. So it tells you something when they gave us a hard time. We were expected to win, but away from home, when you go to these places, it is never easy. We have played Cyprus on several occasions since that day, and they have never been easy games. So Steve Clark will know the task that lies ahead. Beyond that that crucial World Cup qualifier lies a friendly match. A fixture that normally and particularly off the back of an energy sapping game in such humid conditions would be a chance for Clark to utilize his squad. But this is no normal friendly with the old enemy coming to Glasgow to mark the 150th anniversary of the formation of the Scottish FA, As Goff says, there is never a friendly against England. Certainly in his days as a player, and the annual home internationals, there was a feeling that familiarity with their foe bred a level of contempt, which is why Goff's winner in the Rouse Cup match means so much to him to this day. And he said, I must have played about six or seven games against them in the time of the home internationals. At that time, there was a great rivalry. We had the best English players at Ibrox later on, of course, but there was also the fact that the best Scottish players played in England, which is how it is now as well. So there was a huge rivalry. I remember in that game, Trevor Francis and Mark Hatley were up front for England. And Big Alex had a great game. He had Big Hatley in his pocket. It was a tight, tight game. I think it was Graham Sooners took a free kick to me. I gave it to Gordon Strachan. And then he rolled it out to Jimmy Bett. I just continued my run like I used to do. Got in the box at the far post and Jimmy has floated a ball right onto my head. I got above Kenny Sansom, all five foot five of him. There's a great picture of that, with Big Butch standing in the middle, marking Stevie Archibald. I met it with a perfect header. It just floated beautifully above Peter Shilton, who was the best goalkeeper in Britain at that time. It's another goal that people come up to me and talk about. It's that and the goal against Cyprus. There hadn't many Scots have scored a winning goal against England, so I'm very proud of that one. Unlike Roxburgh, the national team manager at that particular time was a little more forthcoming in his praise for his manager. I always remember after the England game, Jockstein came to me with the Rouse Cup, which was full of champagne. And he said, you deserve this, son. But I said to him, no thanks, Mr. Steen. I don't drink champagne. He looked at me and he said, drink it, son. Never refuse champagne, because champagne means success. That's what he said to me. And you know what? I never stopped drinking it after that. But I suppose that means I had a lot of success. He was old school and that always stuck with me in my head. I was only 22 or 23 at that time, but what a memory to have. For the Tartan army, it is unlikely that the memory of either of Goff's famous headers will fade any time soon, and it is even less likely we would ever give the scorer himself the opportunity to forget them either. Said Goff, it is a fact that people remember these goals that makes them so special. People send me links to them. I watched the highlights of the Cypress game about three weeks ago, after someone sent me it. It's great to look back on these days. I've actually got some good pictures of the Cypress goal. I got a good jump on it. These two goals, I timed them perfectly. It's like when a golfer hits the perfect golf shot. You just catch it flush on the forehead and the ball has gone exactly where you want it to go. That could be unusual at the time, in fairness. I look back on those goals as two of the real highlights of my career. And it is just absolutely brilliant to see Scotland back at that level again. Report by Graeme McGarry Evening Times Sport September 8. Van Bronckhorst could return to management. Report by Mark Walker. Former Rangers boss Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is on the shortlist to return to management at La Liga side Villa Real. The former Ibrox manager rejected a chance to take charge of homeland club Utrecht this week because he wanted a new challenge at a European club and he will reportedly hold talks with Villarreal after they sacked Quique Setien this week after three losses and just one win into the new season in Spain. Villarreal tried to entice former River Plate manager Marcelo Gallardo to the job, but he immediately made clear he was not interested in the post and have now made ex-Arsenal and Netherlands star Van Bronckhorst their main target. Van Bronckhorst led Rangers to the Europa League final last year, but was axed by the club after a disastrous, record-breakingly bad Champions League campaign and falling nine points adrift of Celtic. He has since rejected offers to move to Saudi Arabia, and is waiting for the opportunity to get back into the game and Villarreal could be said to offer him the chance. He spent four years in Spain with Barcelona and helped them win the 2006 Champions League final against former club Arsenal. Report by Mark Walker. Evening Times Sport September 11th Elliot Anderson, Scotland International Future Latest Report by Ewan Payton Elliot Anderson could still change his international allegiances back to England, it has emerged. Garris Southgate admits the Newcastle is a player he likes and the FA are keeping close tabs on his situation. The 20-year-old, who was born in Whitley Bay, Qualifies to play for Scotland through his grandmother, and he has been involved at youth levels for both Scotland and England. Steve Clark called Anderson up to his latest squad for the international double header against Cyprus and England. It was hoped that it would provide the ideal chance to show Anderson a closer look at the Scotland set up and tie up his future with the national team by handing him his first cap. However, he pulled out of the squad last Tuesday with a knock in training cited as the reason behind that decision. It means that his international future remains up in the air as he will still not have made a competitive cap for either Scotland or England. Southgate said, we liked him and we do like him. He's a player that's doing really well. Obviously he was called into their squad earlier in the week and I don't know what the position is at the moment. I saw he's pulled out. Let's see. That's something that John McDermott and others at our organisation will be picking up. He's definitely a player we like. The Scottish Sun reports that Anderson has had second thoughts on playing for Scotland. They claim it is believed Anderson felt uncomfortable in the Scotland setup and wanted to quit the camp for a rethink, and that has now reopened the door for the English FA to make contact and hold talks over his international future. Southgate is expecting another tough game after their one-one draw with Ukraine, and he added It was an incredible atmosphere in Poland. For a lot of our players, it was a brilliant experience. We wanted to win, but we are not going to win comfortably every time, and that will be the same on Tuesday. Scotland are absolutely flying. They are really looking forward to the game, and so are we. Report by Ewan Peyton Evening Times Sport September 11. Gregor Townsend frustrated by refereeing inconsistencies. Report by Alistair McKenzie. Scotland head coach Gregor Townsend was left frustrated by refereeing inconsistency after a controversial head clash in Sunday's Rugby World Cup defeat to South Africa but admitted it was his side's own inaccuracy that cost them. Springbok centre Jesse Creel made head-on-head contact with Jack Dempsey in an attempted tackle in the first half, less than 24 hours after England flanker Tom Curry was sent off against Argentina for a similar offence. However, Creel went unpunished and remained on the pitch for the full 80 minutes as South Africa pulled clear after the break in an 18-3 victory that saw them take charge of Pool B, said Townsend after the game. I saw it from two screens away, and it did look like it was a head-on-head coalition. I was expecting the television match official to come in to make the referee aware of that. Who knows if it had been a red card. We had a red card on Saturday and it didn't help or change the game in Argentina's favour because they lost 27-10. So who knows. The lack of action around the incident was a particularly bitter pill to swallow, coming hot on the heels of Curry's expulsion in the same stadium the day before. Asked if the inconsistency is frustrating, Townsend said, Yes, we had a promising attacking position outside the 22, and then the TMO came in for a body check, which wasn't a traditional tackle. I don't know how that didn't end up being a penalty. So yes, there are still inconsistencies in seeing these things. Whether T.O. Moe did it or not, it was on the replay, that incident in the first half. So it is inconsistency over what is a red card, a yellow card or a penalty. I am frustrated by that, but I am more frustrated by our own performance. Scotland stood up well to the physical task of matching a ferocious Springbok side in the first half going in at the break three points behind and with the encouragement of a couple of big wins in the scrum. But the Scottish attack, usually their deadliest weapon, struggled to get going as the South Africans denied them space. Scotland was squeezed in the second half, conceding two tries in three minutes to ultimately lose comfortably and with just one penalty on the board. Said Townsend, I am really disappointed. We were slow to get going in the first half and there was a bit of inaccuracy in our play. We built into the game and I felt physically we were more than up for the challenge which comes from the way they play. We started to win penalties at scrum time which was a real bonus. There were opportunities, not many in our attacking game but there were a couple in the first half We spoke at half-time about the need to build on the way we finished that second quarter. But we started with a bit of inaccuracy, and then South Africa dominated possession for a period and put on points, and it then became difficult in those conditions. The defence had to play from deep, and it became risky, and we never had the accuracy to trouble them on the scoreboard. There was a nervy moment for Scottish fans in the first half when influential fly-half Finn Russell went down clutching his side after a collision with Cut Lee Arenzi. The playmaker was penalised for an illegal tackle but escaped without a card and he was able to continue after walking off the blow, something that surprised his coach at the time. Townsend said it did look like he was coming off initially as he had a rib injury which seemed like it was going to stop him from continuing but he dug deep and he fought really hard. I thought some of his defensive work in the second half was outstanding and it just shows how much he cares about his teammates and playing for Scotland. Perhaps the biggest what-if moment of the night for Scotland was when Darcy Graham went flying through the Springboks line in a rare attacking flourish, only to fail to get the ball out to a teammate to profit from an overlap and reach the try line. Townsend said, It was a great dummy and he got through, but maybe he didn't realise someone was coming from behind. We should have done better after that. If you don't score straight away from first phase, you've got to be able to be accurate and go through phases and turn that pressure into points in a different way. The Scotland squad now has two weeks to lick its wounds before facing Tonga in Nice on September 24. A meeting with Romania follows. Before a clash with Ireland in Paris on October 7, that is now a must-win if the Scots have to escape the pool of death and reach the quarter-finals. Quizzed on where his side can improve going forward, Townsend replied, Accuracy in attack. In defence, we would be relatively satisfied with the effort which went in, but I still think there is more in us with that. Our attack in general starts from our set piece, winning possession, and what we did when we had that possession has got to improve. We only scored three points, and that is unusual for us. Report by Alistair Mackenzie.
0: That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at QN Review and to tell your friends about our service.